Join me this evening in Daniel 2, Daniel 2, verse 31. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we have just sung, we pray that you would give your word success this evening. As the word of God is proclaimed, that your spirit would take that word, that you would plant it deep in us, that you would accomplish your purpose, that you would challenge us, that you would change us, that you would encourage us. May we go from this place better than we came because the word of God has done its work in us. Heavenly Father, we pray that even in this hour as we look at this passage, that we would see you in your greatness. That we would worship our great God. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Normally, the scripture passage for the evening would be our passage that we were reading, that we're going to be in. But this evening, I wanted to read Psalm, or Isaiah 6, 1-5 because I like that picture. It's a peek behind the curtain into the throne room of God. Holy, holy, holy. I think that's an important place for us to start this evening because we as, come to, as we come to our passage, we see that God. And we see Him. Throughout all of history, we see that he is the God of the past, the God of the present, the God of the future, that he is unchanged, and he's in complete control. And so I think it's important that we started there in Isaiah 6, and I invite you now to join me in Daniel 2, and we'll read verses 39 to, 31 to 49. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image... This image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed in together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom, inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, and as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. 
And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain. Its interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal the secret. And the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. They made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also Daniel petitioned the king and he sat Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. You may remember last time we were in Daniel, we were introduced to this issue. King Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream. And this dream was troubling him. It was on his mind. It was on his heart. It was heavy. So he needs an answer. But interestingly, he, he calls his wise men together and he says, reveal this dream to me. Help me understand it. But he doesn't tell them what the dream is. He says, no, you tell me the dream, and then you tell me what it, mean, what it is, what it means. Well, obviously, they say, well, we can't do that. There's not a man on earth that could do that apart from the gods. And they're exactly right. Daniel, one of these wise men whose life is in danger, steps up and says, let me have a chance. Let me seek my God. Let me seek the answer. Let me see if I can see. So he goes. He prays. He gathers his friends together. And God reveals the dream to him. So he comes before this mighty king. And he says, I can tell you what the dream is. My God has revealed it to me. So as we come to our passage this morning, that's the context. That is what is going on. Daniel has stood before the king. His life has been in danger. And he has said, I can tell you not just what the dream means. I can tell you what the dream is. My God has revealed it to me. So as we work our way through this passage, there's just really two points this evening. A coming kingdom and a sovereign God. A coming kingdom and a sovereign God. This evening as we look at this, what we will see is that God is in complete control. 
He's in complete control of the present, and he is in complete control in the future. God knows exactly what he is doing. The first thing we see is a coming kingdom. Verses 31 to 45. First thing Daniel does is he tells this dream. Here's the dream. You were watching, and behold, a great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. Catch the words that Daniel uses to describe this. It is a great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you. Its form, form was awesome. It sounds like a paper that I would have written when I was in middle school using all those amazing, awesome, great. But it appropriately describes what this was. This was a massive image. It's a powerful image. It is a great image that stands before this king. Its form is awesome. Daniel goes on to break down what this image looks like, not just that there is an image. right? If Daniel were making this up, he could say, well, I think in your dream there was an image. But that's not where he stops. There was a great image. And not only was there a great image, this is what that image looked like. It had a head of fine gold, a chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. I can imagine King Nebuchadnezzar sitting there as Daniel's describing this, and he's thinking, wow, he's really doing this. That, that is exactly what I saw. And that's not it, because this great image, this powerful image is standing there, and you watched, and a stone, a stone that was cut not with hands, struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. And it was all crushed. It was all destroyed. It blew away like wind, like chaff in the wind. Totally, total destruction. And then that stone which struck the image grew into a great mountain and filled the whole earth. It spread over the earth. There is an awesome image. But the stone that attacks that image, that tears down that image, is infinitely more awesome. This is the dream, verse 36. Now Daniel has Nebuchadnezzar's full attention, as you can imagine. He's told me the dream. That's the hard part. Now we'll tell the interpretation of it before the king. Starts out really good. You, O king, are king of kings. You are a great God, a great king. You are the king of kings. You are the king of ruling the world. You're the king of the most powerful nation. But why? For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Note Daniel's boldness as he is giving this interpretation. Just as he gave God the glory for giving him the interpretation as he comes to the king and he says, I know because my God has told me. So now as he tells this, the king the dream, even still he is pointing to God. You are a great God, you are a great king. You are the king of kings because God of heaven has made you that. That's right. 
It is God of heaven who has given you a kingdom and power and strength and glory. Wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand. He has made you ruler over all of them. You are a great king. But the God who has given me this dream, who has told me what this dream is, what this dream means, he's the God who put you in authority. He's the God that made you king. Just as he revealed this dream, just as he gave you that dream, so he gave you your power. Daniel then goes on to explain this dream. First, you are this head of gold. You are the head of gold. In this image, as you remember, there's the head of fine gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of part iron and part clay. So as Daniel starts explaining this dream, he starts at the top of this image. You are the head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom. So now we see that we're dealing with kingdoms. As you look at this image, it's a, it's a progression of kingdoms. The top is Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. You are this head of gold. But after you, there's another kingdom. Inferior to yours. That's an interesting note. Inferior. What does he mean by inferior? Most scholars agree, it seems, that the next kingdom is Medo-Persia. It's the kingdom that comes after Babylon, that, that takes over, basically ruling the world, the most powerful nation in the world, King Cyrus. What does he mean that this is inferior to Babylon? Clearly, he's, it's stronger. It conquers Babylon. Well, it could be, and uh, it could be the idea not that the kingdom itself is any less inferior, but it could be, but many people think that possibly as this, as you work your way down this um, image, you work your way down through time. And you see sin, man, sin is continuing to grow. It's getting worse and worse. It could be that. We're not specifically told. But the second kingdom is Medo-Persia, King Cyrus. Then, as you keep moving down this image, you come to another kingdom. Another, a third kingdom of bronze. Alexander the Great and Greece as what is pictured here in this third kingdom, which shall rule over the earth. You come to the fourth kingdom, shall be as strong as iron. This is Rome. And as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Rome was a kingdom that crushed its enemies, that ruled with an iron fist. And for the most part, these first four kingdoms, as seen in this dream, are agreed on by theologians. This is what it is. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. 
These are kingdoms that will rise up, mighty kingdoms in history. Mighty kingdoms who will rule the world. Then there's another kingdom. Where as you saw, the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. The kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the ceramic clay. This fifth kingdom is a Rome-like kingdom. A kingdom that rises from Rome. It's connected to it. You see the, the idea and the iron that is still there. And what's interesting though is as you come to this fifth kingdom, This iron that is mixed, it's, it's weaker than the others. It likely describes some kind of alliance or coalition of several kings, several kingdoms that have come together. In fact, the ten toes of Daniel 2 on this foot, on these, these, the feet of this image, are probably, in fact they are, identified with the ten kings in chapter 7. The ten horns of 724. So there's this connection between these two in chapter 2 and chapter 7. So you have this, this kingdom, this coalition of kings. Partly of iron, partly of clay, being a coalition that naturally has both strengths and weaknesses. But what is interesting about this last kingdom... is that as in the days of these kings, verse 44, the kings of this coalition, it's in the days of these kings that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. This is the climax of the dream. This is the big idea, this stone that comes in. As theologians, they, we try to guess, what are these kingdoms? It looks like Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome and some future Rome-like kingdom. We don't know. That's what it looks like. That's what it seems like. But what really matters is what is this rock? What is this mountain that comes in? In the days of this final kingdom, some Rome-like kingdom, it comes in. And it's the God of heaven who will set up his kingdom. You see, hence the, the stone which comes in, it strikes the statue on its foot because it comes during the days of this kingdom. So unlike these other kingdoms, Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome, those are past. This fifth kingdom, this Rome-like coalition, this future from where we are today. It is some kingdom that will be set up before the second coming of Christ. Some kingdom that will rule and Christ will come. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom. This is the stone from the dream which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. As much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in the pieces of the iron and the bronze and the clay and the silver and the gold. Notice in this dream that the king has, no matter how great 
And these kingdoms are, no matter how strong they are, no matter how glorious they are, this coming kingdom is greater than all of them. This coming kingdom destroys all of them. Several things to note about this coming kingdom. This coming kingdom of God. This stone that will crush, that will grow into a mountain that will fill the whole earth. It is God's kingdom, and it points to a literal earthly kingdom of God, a future or millennial kingdom of Christ. There are some who would look at this passage and say, well, this is a, it's a spiritual kingdom. That's what we have, that's what Daniel's saying. It's a spiritual kingdom that as the church grows, as the church advances, the gospel will go throughout the earth, and, and the God, God's spiritual kingdom will take over eventually. That's not at all what you see in this passage. Notice first that this kingdom exists in the same realm as these earthly kingdoms. It exists on the earth. It conquers these kingdoms that are on the earth. And then it grows over the earth. It takes place in this realm on the earth. Secondly, it will destroy these earthly kingdoms. It will wipe them out, which is something that has not yet happened. Also note that it comes suddenly. It's not something that comes gradually through the influence of the church that slowly grows and takes over. It comes suddenly. It comes powerfully. And also note that it is future. As you look at Daniel 2, you cannot overlook the fact that Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 are parallel descriptions of the same kingdom. And Daniel 7 clearly comes at the second coming of Christ. It is he who brings this kingdom. It is he who comes to earth and who rules. As you look at this coming kingdom, you see that it is an earthly kingdom. It is God's kingdom. It is eternal. And it is greater than any kingdom of man. This is the coming kingdom. Then in verses 46 to 49, we see a sovereign God. How encouraging this must have been to Daniel. As Daniel is, as God reveals this dream to Daniel. I mean, think of the circumstances in which Daniel gets this. He is in exile. He's in a foreign land under a foreign king forced to, try to, to do these foreign things. And God gives this king a dream and God gives Daniel the revelation of what this dream is. And the answer is this, that God's kingdom will conquer. How encouraging that must have been to Daniel and his friends. How comforting to be reminded that his God is in complete control. That his God will triumph. As you come to verses 46 and 49, we see the sovereignty of God. King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that he should present an offering, an incense to him. 
We're not told exactly how Daniel responds to this, how he reacts. I would imagine that he's very uncomfortable as this king is basically worshiping him. All throughout Daniel, Daniel has been quick to give honor to God. He's been quick to give, to point to God, to say, it is God who has done this. It is God who has told me this. It is God who has revealed this. And then the king answers Daniel and says, Something phenomenal for a foreign king to say. Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings. Your God, Daniel, your God, the God of a nation that I have conquered, the God of you, my captive, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. He's the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. And the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. In these last several verses, verses 46 to 49, not only does this king give glory to God, but then this God put this king puts God's people in places of authority. Even in exile, God is in complete control. God is sovereign. He was sovereign over Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He was sovereign over giving the meaning of that dream to Daniel. He was sovereign over the timing in all of this. He is sovereign over placing Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Daniel in places of authority in Babylon. God is in complete control in the present. And here in Daniel, we see the sovereignty of God on a universal scale. Not just on a universal scale, but, but on an even greater scale. God is not just Lord of the universe. He is Lord of all time. He is in complete control in the present, in the situation in which Daniel finds himself. And he is setting up his kingdom which will come. He will rule in the future. And yet at the same time, as we see the sovereignty of God on such a universal scale here in Daniel, at the same time, we see God's complete control over meticulous details in the present. God is in complete control of the future. God is in complete control of the present. He is the revealer of dreams. He is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. As you look at this passage, it's so tempted to get, to, to get drawn into the prophecy and try to figure out what all these things are. But what is the big picture? This is the big picture that God will triumph and that God is in complete control right now. God will triumph 
and God is in control right now. So by way of application, number one, rest in God. Rest in Him. Find comfort for the present. Don't worry about anything. As Philippians 4 says, but pray. And the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. As those who are in Christ, we have no reason to fear in the present. We can rest in the present because our God is sovereign over present details. He's in complete control. At the same time, hope in God. Find hope for the future. Find rest for the present in the sovereignty of God and find hope for the future in the fact that your God will set up His kingdom. That Christ is coming again and God will triumph. That what began at the cross will be completed. Christ is coming. Find hope for the future. Find rest for the present. And rejoice in your God. Find a reason to rejoice. In all circumstances, give thanks. Because your God reigns. He reigns now and he will reign in the future. He is on his throne and Christ is coming. He will set up his kingdom. And he will give all things to the Father. And God will reign triumphant over history. It's one of the things I love about uh, a few, few years, years ago we did a study through the book of Esther. And now we're going through Daniel. And one of the things I love about these minor prophets like this is that you see, uh, or one of the things I love about um, these passages is that we see God at work on a national, on a universal scale. How encouraging is that for us? Especially in the circumstances of our day. Just as God put Nebuchadnezzar on the throne, as Daniel says in verse 36, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom and power and strength and glory. God put him there. He was not a good man, but God put him there. So God has put our president there. So God has put every world leader there. He's in complete control. And yet, at the same time, we see that he is in complete control also, not just on a national level, but on a personal level. In Daniel's life, God knows exactly what is going on. God is directing things. He is moving them into position. He is accomplishing his purpose in the present and in the future. I love that about Daniel because that's something that I need to be reminded of. Time, in, time and time again, I need the reminder that my God is in complete control. That my God rules. He's not just at work in a national level. He's not just at work on a universal level. He's at work personally in my life. He has just as much control over my day tomorrow and today as he does over what kingdoms are going to do. And he is coming again. Here in Daniel 2, we see that God will triumph in the future. And that God is in complete control in the present. 
And brothers and sisters in Christ, find comfort in that this evening. Find comfort in that in the week to come, that your God reigns in the present and he will reign in the future. His kingdom is coming. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We're going to close with the song, He is Lord.